get on with the message because God, I really believe, uh, you know, as you prepare for these things, for those of you who have taught in different situations, even if, if it's business or whatever, but especially when it's something spiritual, um, I just, I really feel that there's going to be a release, that there are people here today. I mean, we can be encouraged. Some are going to be encouraged. Some uh, are going to learn something. Other people are going, I could have done better. Um, but I really believe this is a word, and I'm saying this because of just the, the impression I believe the Holy Spirit's put on me, that this is going to help people get unstuck, to get over something that they've, you know, it's like there's a settling because of just disaster that has come to you, disappointment has come to you. Um, some people are ready to coast, and there, I see that nowhere in the scriptures. Uh, I mean, things change, we have seasons, but God has called us to, to faith, and a big faith. And I'm saying big faith for someone who's in their 80s, it's going to look different from someone who's in their 20s. And I mean both ways. You think, oh, they're 80, they're, you know, they're looking to taking their final and going on to heaven. But you know what? If you could be in your 80s and you have walked so far with God that possibly your faith is great in areas. It doesn't mean, some people think great faith means you're going to still be strong in body. Now, great faith comes by something else, and we're going to take a look at that. The, the, the title of this is Go Big and Trust Me. Now, if you're going to go big, we've got to learn how to trust God. And the, the key to this verse really comes to me from last week when Pastor Peter was teaching. It, and we, we grasp this to understand the process that Abraham, we're going through the life of Abraham, so we're going back and forth highlighting certain things. But last week, we see that God told Abraham to go to a land that he will give him. I said, ooh, give me a land. You know, we're not just talking a lot. A land. God said, I will establish. And, and that's the key. He said, I will establish. I'm going to build. I'm going to develop the situation I'm going to establish my covenant, a contract. So it's not, he didn't say, I want you to sign, I'm going to write it. No, he goes, I have to establish this. To, to come into an agreement with God, for God to cut a deal with us, to come into a contract, he is worthy. Who's the questionable one in this contract? It's us. And so he goes, I'm going to establish. And so we're going to see Abraham going through situations that help establish the faith that Abraham has to get to. And I'm just going to, I'm, I'm just going to break it to you right, real quick. Abraham does a whole lot of failing before he does his big success. And even in that, there's a process. So God is establishing Abraham. So to get ahead of the story, to get you ready, that God's establishing to get us ready to have big faith, to write a contract in that, that he is going to be the faithful one. It's not up to you. So why have you gotten stuck because of your failure?
Why? Well, to start this establishing, God comes to him said, you know, to establish, to build this contract, you are going to have to make a choice, Abraham. To, to start this establishing, not start the contract, not start the covenant, to start what needs to be built. Here's where it starts. It starts with you. You have to make a choice. And that choice is you have to leave the safety of your father's house. That's a tough choice. You have to leave your safe place. That's the first step of establishing this covenant covenant that God's going to bring. And the truth is that we all have safe places. Some of us have a safe job. You know, you could do so much more. No, no, I'm, I'm pretty, what? Safe right here. You know, everybody's expecting more. You know, I'm pretty safe. We have a safe job. We have a safe place that we go to. Uh, but I, I kind of like, we have a safe song. You know, you know, that song that you sing that your voice doesn't crack? Kind of like the one that, that Lexi just sang. Highest praise. That's not a safe song for me. So that's not one you're going to catch me singing around the shower, you know. It's like, I go with the safe songs, you know, that highlight what I can hit. So there's safe songs, there's safe foods. Oh, I, this is my favorite. My wife has safe foods. Whatever restaurant we're going to, she has a safe food. You know what that safe food is? It's the one that she's had that she liked. I go to a restaurant and go, I've never had that. I'll have this. That's not a safe food. And so it always bothered me that I said, you know, we go to this nice restaurant. I go, why don't you order something else besides that? She goes, well, I just know I like that. And I don't know if I don't like that or that or that or that or that. Who else orders safely? Oh, my goodness. Oh, at least you're married. So <laughs> it's like, no, I, until I've tried everything, you know, it's like, nope, I'm going with what is safe. So we have the safe job. We have a safe mindset. We don't think about things that challenge us. The, the, the problem is for all of us who've given our life to the Lord, there is something that you had to eventually give up, if not one thing, many things. And it's scriptural. See, the scriptures are the one who really tell us you must give up to go up. If you want to get someplace with the Lord, if you want to feel a certain intimacy, there's things that we have to give up. There's things that we have to give up physically, emotionally, mentally. You're going to have to give up. Uh, the Message Bible, is, it's, it's a modern-day translation, but it's really, it really made me laugh when I read it. Luke 14 says, Simply put, if you're not willing to take what is dearest to you, whether plans or people, and kiss it goodbye, you cannot be my disciple. But that's not safe. That's not comfortable. But the problem is, big faith is being able to give something up. People want to just, oh, I want to take this on. Your shelf is full, you have to take something off. But everything on my shelf I like. 
Everything on my shelf is safe. Everything. But you can't have this next thing without taking this off to make room for it in your life. You have to give up something if you want to put something on. And this is a truth. God has told Abraham, listen, to just to start this establishing so we can get to a covenant of big faith, you have a choice to make. And that choice is, I'm going to leave what is safe. And right there is probably the first hole a lot of believers fall in. What's safe? Because no matter what challenge comes up, there's a but. What will they think? What if I don't? What will they think of me? You're stuck. There's no big faith. There's no future in your growth in the Lord. Unless the dearest of things that's in your heart, plans or people, for the to 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 grow in God and to grow in faith, you have to be able to be willing to kiss it goodbye. Sometimes the Lord returns that which you've kissed goodbye to you, and sometimes he doesn't. But that's what this process starts. And this is written down to speak to us. For us to grow in, in big faith, we need to realize and recognize has the Lord told us to choose between this and that? And what have we done with it? This isn't so God can, you know, God's making a covenant. This is to get us ready for him to make a covenant because there's other things that we have to process in this, and this is scary. I, I love it. Making a choice is so difficult People for people that we've made TV game shows out of it. Choose a letter. What game is that? A vowel. What is it? How about choose a curtain? Choose a subject. Do, do, do. Choose a price. So, all these shows that give us entertainment, we get to see other people going, oh, 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 hey, that's a, st-. and you're back there going, what a stupid vow to choose. We love seeing other people agonize. <laughs> the whole show is about that. You know, Because we hate it. We love to see other people agonize with it. As long as I don't have to do it. You know, but we love in our, you know, in the, in the safety of your living room, you can answer every Jeopardy question. <laughs> Get on TV is like, you go, well, uh, Pastor Evans, uh, <clears throat> what's your wife's name? <laughs> you freeze. In life, people are afraid 
to buy a house, a piece of property, sell their business. But there's one thing that takes the fear out of it. And that's to get an ironclad contract. If you get a contract, because if you get a contract, you, this person has to perform a certain way. This person has to perform a certain way. And if one of them breaks it, it's, it's done. And usually there's some type of penalty with it. Here's what Hebrews says. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't put Hebrews in there. I have it in my notes. Hebrews 6.16 says, People swear by someone greater than themselves. And the oath or contract confirms what is said and puts an end to arguments. It says that once a contract is made, it puts an end to arguments. It puts an end to fears. It's on paper. It can't be changed. And God said, I need to establish you so that we can have a contract. What's that establishment? What it's going to take to get us to that place where the Lord is ready to fulfill and write a contract with us? Well, God said, I will establish, build a contract. Now we'll go to Genesis 12. Now there was a famine in the land and Abram went to Egypt to live. He went there to live for a while because of the famine. And, and let me tell you, the first thing is, this is making it difficult. He has to go to Egypt where it's going to be difficult. God knew there was a famine. Why did he say, I'm going to choose another land? Why couldn't we choose a land that's on, the, on this side and he doesn't have to go to Egypt to subject him because of the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, now, <laughs> I know what a beautiful woman you are. Thank you. When you love you, your husband, say, hey, babe, I know what a beautiful woman you are. Oh, uh-oh, this is not my, one of my wife's favorite stories, by the way. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, <laughs> but will let you live. Say, say, you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. Wow. Wow starting to see why they were struggling having a child. <laughs> oh my. Oh my. But this just didn't happen once. In, in the chapters to come, do we see that Abraham failed. He failed five times. He said it twice. He said this again in Genesis 20. He said, look, he called his wife his sister to protect himself. Now, you know what? Let me tell you, we do this. We, we do that same thing. You can say, I have never called my wife my sister. No, but the reason was, you've, he justified it because it was his half-sister. Was it his wife? Yes, but say this. How many of us have told a half-truth? to protect you. That's a half-truth. 
he, stuck, he stepped on the true side. Did it build his wife? No. 16. Slept with his servant Hagar to get a child. He was getting on. He was, you know, in his 90s. Now, let me tell you, his wife said, look, this isn't going to happen. Take my servant. If your wife ever says that to you guys, it's a trap. Okay? Don't go in. Woo, wow, you're really progressive. Thank you very much. It's a trap. Don't fall for it. They're trying to figure this out. Verse 16, let his wife abuse Hagar and who else? Ishmael. Ishmael was Hagar's son, but guess who else's son it was? Abram's. He was allowing his wife to be harsh to his son. Laughed at God for his promise of a child with his beautiful but older wife. He laughed. And number five, again, calls his wife his sister to another king. There's three things we learn about Abram's journey. Number one, God grows our faith by testing it. And let me tell you, how many of these tests did he pass? Goose egg. Goose egg. But you know what? He was establishing, he was establishing the contract. Abraham was failing, but it still, there was a growth in his, it looked like a failure, but I want you to know that he was growing in his failure. I don't know how many of y'all have learned that. That we can grow in a failure instead of going, oh, I failed. I can't face the world anymore. But there is a growth process that takes place. So you're not going to fail every time. I don't know if you've ever said, but <clears throat> why have you ever said, God, why did you allow this to happen to me? Why did? It's usually it's half truths. Could be a testing. Wow. Here's the deal. It's like a muscle. How many? I, I, I know we've all. I'm going to get in shape. You know, I turned 66 today. I'm going to get in shape. That's crazy. He needs to sit down. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you know, you, you know, you turn 20, I'm going to get back in shape. Turn 30, I'm going to get back in shape. And, you know, it, it's like, <clears throat> what a great workout. Tomorrow, dear Lord, what did I do? What did I do? Here's the amazing thing. If, if you really are in fairly good shape and you're called to do something different, like I'll take guys out kayaking and these guys, let me scratch this. You know, they work out there and we hop in a the kayak. They go, this will be easy. The next day they can't move because they're using a different set of muscles. 
So it doesn't matter when God tests you, how, how great your faith has been in the past, how, you know, I was like, oh, I'm a man of God. As soon as God tests you, it's a different set of muscles and you're going to be hurting. It is going to, why is it so hard? Lord, you know I love you. Lord, you know I've been faithful. Lord, and this hurts. He's, you're calling upon a different set of muscles. So don't, don't be mistaken that going, well, I've been in the faith for so long. You know, sure, I can take on the next thing. You're going to be sore the next day. It's a new, it is a new set of muscles. It is going to be hard. For, for those of us, it doesn't matter how long you've trusted the Lord, that that journey, is, you're going to be challenged and it's going to hurt. You know, it's, it's like, why isn't things going my way? It's not supposed to go your way. It's supposed to go God's way. And God's trying to establish something that obviously is not in you. So for it to go God's way, it's going against your way and it hurts. It's disappointing. You don't see how this is going to help. You wake up after a workout and you're going, this does not feel healthy. How does this feel healthy? It was leg day. <laughs> Sometimes when we step out to do our faith, you're going, this cannot be God. Yes, it is. You're just in the way. This was the path Abraham was on. Number two, God is willing to crush us. Abraham, he just wanted a child. But so much had to happen. You see, why did God make him wait so long? Why did he make him wait so long? The reason is making a child is easy for God, but changing a heart is very hard. And a heart needed to be changed. His heart needed to be changed. If Abraham had immediately been rewarded, he would have increased in happiness, fulfillment, but not in his faith. Yeah, he could have had the happy thing happen for a while, but not in his faith. And happy comes and goes. It... it, it Well, let me give you the, the number one thing parents want for their children is, I just want them to be happy. Oh, bless their little hearts. I just want them to be happy. Well, that child is going to be cheated because he's not going to learn how to lose, how to be disappointed, how to pick himself up, wash his face and not wear this gloom. Not allow embarrassment to rule his joy. He is going to be cheated. The Bible says there's three things that, that remain and that's faith, hope, and love and being happy. No, 
These three remain. Happiness does it. It comes and goes. And, and, and a great example of this, let me, oh, thank you, clock. Freeze! Oh, it, it did for a minute. All right. <laughs> I coached uh, junior basketball when Jared was that age. And I was new to it, and so you, know, you go to the gym and and you have games. There were six other teams. Now, two of the teams recruited their kids. You know, I'm just like, hey, let's play basketball. I'm teaching these kids how to play basketball. And these guys are over there in their coach outfits. I'm like, are they in the same age group as we are? And I was the only coach that would take girls. They went, hey, can my little girl play in the gym? Sure, come on, come on. You know, it's only costing you $800 to, you know, play six games. Come on, you know, <laughs> And, of course, I let the girls play the same amount of time as the boys played. On these other teams, it was only the best players. So there's like six guys. There's, there's 10 to 12 on your team, and I'm letting the girls play. So guess what our record was? 0-6. We lost every game. But I'm going to tell you, those girls would go up there and barely be able to dribble. Some of the boys barely be able to dribble. You know, Jared has to deal with them. He's going, Dad, I'm going, hey, it's part of the game. They're learning. But you know what I told them? I said, listen, this is our practice time. You listen to me. You miss the shot. Don't worry. I said, you listen to me, and we're going to correct it. We're going to get it. You know, we're going to be able to learn how to pass. We're going to learn defense. And we would lose the game. After the first couple of games, we would lose it. My kids are, you know, the team we played going, yeah, we stopped them. They stink. And my kids are going, hey, I touched the ball three times. You know, I dribbled this far before they stole it. Yes. And we had victories, little, little victories. I'm going, guys, listen, this is the right, this is the way to do it. I mean, if we made a basket, I would, I on the sideline would do a somersault. And they, they shoot and they go, and they immediately would look for me to do a somersault. So, tournament time. We are 0-6. So you play the teams in front of you. We beat them. Of course, I told the girls to sit down. <laughs> we beat them. You never heard such carrying on on the other team. Oh, the girls beat They're cheating. They're they were miserable. We ended up second place in the tournament. So I labored, I, I, I labored that. I, I, because Abraham had to wait. But you know what's worse than waiting? It's not waiting and then wishing you had. I told these guys, just wait. Just wait. We, if we do, we're going to win a game, and if it's in the tournament, we don't even. We're going to wait, and we're going to practice and practice. It's practice, and they waited, and they got their reward. They learned to have joy. They learned in their failure. God wants to prove He's totally trustworthy. Later, uh, later we, we see Abraham's biggest test was with his son. You know, he said, you know, bring, God told him, bring your son, and I'm going to sacrifice, and we're going to teach on that in another week. But we, I want to get us to where this contract gets enacted. How 
How do you respond if God asks you to give up your most precious dream job? How do you respond to it? Remember that scripture we read? Said you've got to be able to kiss it goodbye. What is our response? Let me back up a little bit in Abraham's journey to complete his faith. In Genesis 14 and 15, four kings attacked five kings and in this big battle, his nephew got taken. His nephew and the family got taken. Abraham takes 318 of his men, goes and fights these kings and plunders all their wealth and gets his family back. It's really the first successful thing you know, that, that he did. In Genesis 15, it says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in his vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am, I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my state is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given no children. So, a servant of my household has gone and get it all. He has one success and all of a sudden, now he stands up. Here's the amazing thing that what, what God didn't do. He didn't rebuke. He goes, uh, how many times did you fail? You're trying to get me to be good on my word where you have lied and failed. How many times to your family? God didn't do that. He didn't do that. He didn't rebuke him. He didn't rebuke him for his failures. What he was doing is he was establishing in Abraham an incredible thing. So what he did, he, he, he was going to go, you know what? I'm going to make a covenant now. So he split a cow, a goat, a dove, a pigeon, had a smoking plot, a blazing torch. He passed through him. The Lord did. The Hebrew word is cut from contract. You, know, you cut a deal, that's a contract. There was another deal. See, it was, here's the way he's coming to. Our confidence to move in faith doesn't come from who you are, but who he is. How many times have you failed? How many things have you said, this is my safe spot, I'm not giving it up, I'm not risking this? God's trying to say, it's not about your righteousness. I want to cut a deal with you. But you have to realize this, I'm the one who is faithful. I'm the one, and I think because of his failures, he finally realized that. He's like, he could have thrown, he, he could have brought up all my wrongs. Yet now he makes a contract with me. And it's because he's faithful, not me. 2,000 years later, there's another contract, there's another blood that is spilt 
and says, I want to make a contract with you. If you will accept the work of my son and the redemption of his blood, this is the contract. Remember we take communion? This is, the cup that I take is a new contract. Big faith comes from knowing that our God is faithful. And that you failed. And you're going to probably fail again. But it's not you. If he makes the contract with you, we just need to make the choice to start that journey to, be, to, to really have that con, co, contract established. You make the choice to leave the safe place. It doesn't matter what age you are. There's always that safe thing that God wants to put on your shelf, uh, his thing, and you've got to take the safe thing off. If you want to make more room for God, you've got to take something off that's full of you or someone else or that safe thing that takes us to great faith. So let me pray for... For those, and I really believe there are those out there, that you know the Lord has said, make a choice. To leave a safe place, a safe thing, a safe person, a safe thought, a safe mindset, maybe a safe job. You can't have that contract established. You can't, you stop the process if you don't make the choice. And then when you make the choice and there's a failure in it, there's a disappointment in it, you can cry all you want, but God is faithful as long as you stay on board. So the righteous man falls how many times? Seven times. But he gets up seven it's all about the righteous. The righteous man falls. The righteous man is going to have someone do him wrong, do something wrong, say something wrong, give a half truth. But I'm going to get up and say, Lord, that was me. I'm still on board. And that great faith comes. That's great faith. Not how many times you win, it's how many times you get up. Yes. Those of you who have failed, and you're disappointed with where you're at, you're disappointed in someone else, we forgive and get up. Forgive yourself, forgive that person, and get up. Let's stand. Father, you want to establish something in us, so we start with a choice. What do we need to leave that's safe? Lord, for those of us who started that, where have we failed and we've settled in that land that it's just too hard to get up again? Just too hard to get up again. I can't forgive that person. I can't forgive myself. 
Lord, today by your Holy Spirit, you're provoking in love many in here to get up. Get up.